0: This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Well, welcome to the Saving Grace Podcast. I'm Simon Eastwick, your host for this week, and we are on the road this week uh, doing remote podcasts. It's been uh, great to be here this week at the Free Grace Alliance and interviewing a number of people who we will be sharing with you over the next few weeks. Uh, My guest today is uh, Dr. Roger Fankhauser. He's the pastor of Burleson Bible Church and the president of the Free Grace Alliance. Roger, it's great to have you with us. Thanks. Good to be here. Tell us, uh, and our sort of listening audience here just a little bit, tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Lord, and then how you got involved in uh, Free Grace.
1: Well, it it boiled down to, um, I met the Lord because I wanted my girlfriend to be quiet. Okay, that sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) um, I had started dating this young lady in my hometown of Puyallup, Washington, and uh, the landlord uh, that had their rental home, uh, had a bus ministry. Picked up uh, my girlfriend, her sisters. They went to church, and and uh, the class she was in, they're talking about out of Revelation, and she came home and says, "Roger, we're going to hell." And <laughs> I mean, that's I'm not exaggerating. That's exactly the message. Okay. And she kept asking me to to go with her, and and I finally realized the only way she's going to quit asking is if I just go. So I had all my excuses why I'd never go again, and. Uh, the guy caught my attention, and uh, we started going and and listening carefully and um she was right. We were going to hell. we we took us a little while to figure out you know what to do about it. and then finally, one Sunday morning, he wanted us to stay after class and talk to us about the gospel message. I knew where I was going I, was, I just at that point I was ready. He says, "Just cut to the chase, uh, mm-hmm. but uh he shared the the gospel message with us again, and so my girlfriend and I both trusted Christ at the same time. And uh, she has now been my wife for 42 years. And uh, well, that, really is, that really is how it started, was I uh, uh, wanted her to leave me alone. And uh, okay. I could see God now going, ha, ha, watch <laughs> this. <laughs> so God ushered you into his kingdom through that, which mm-hmm. is, which is yeah. great. Yeah.
0: And what about free grace and that orientation? Uh, how's, when did that come into your life? How did Well, you-
1: I graduated from Washington State University and... Um, I attribute it to God's great sense of humor. He he moved me to Victoria, Texas on the coast, and uh, I was working for a chemical plant there. And uh, we started going to a, a Bible church, uh, just an excellent uh, teacher. The guy's name was uh, Hampton Keith Lee III. He's uh, with the Lord now, but uh, just an incredible guy. And uh, he was teaching a series in a, a woman's Bible study on 1 John. And uh, he was teaching the the standard, you know, these are tests of life process to mm-hmm. it. And at the time, he's reading a book by Zane Hodges. Okay. And and one of the gutsiest things I've ever seen a pastor do, halfway through the study, he said, ladies, I was wrong. Let's start over. And really? And because he saw the, uh, the implications of what he'd been teaching and saw the differences of a free grace perspective. And so mm-hmm. under him, started getting a, a taste of what free grace was. We kind of explored it together. He was a key mentor in my life. And the next uh, pastor, he had to leave the the area for health reasons and uh, moved up to the Spokane, Washington area. Next guy is a guy named Cam Oberholzer, who is a strong free grace guy, he did his doctoral dissertation on the warning passages in Hebrews. And, yeah. and he so a great guy. Yeah. So I got I spent a lot of time with him, serving as an elder with him at um, uh, Victoria Bible Church, and so got strongly... Interested in that, and it's just been part of my heartbeat ever since. It's uh, uh, to me, it makes the most sense of, of scripture, and and it also to me brings the greatest glory to God when you think of the you know, all the implications of of free grace and what that uh, what that means.
0: Uh, you you wrote a piece which uh, I, I recently read uh, called uh, "Free Grace Exalts Christ and His Work." Mm-hmm. In that, you stated. In the realm of Christian theology, in all its various forms, free grace uniquely exalts Christ. Every other Christian system boils down to Christ plus something. You mm-hmm. went on to discuss how this applies to salvation, security, and assurance. I wondered if you'd elaborate on that a bit.
1: Yeah, Sure. Um, the free grace message basically is this, that uh, a person receives eternal life by uh, grace alone, through faith alone, in mm-hmm. Christ alone, as right. the the Son of God who died for our sins was raised from the dead. Um, our assurance of our salvation, our security, is based on what Christ and, and the the whole Trinity has done on our behalf. And so, for example, in Ephesians 1, it talks about the works of, of the Father to the praise of His glory, the work of the Son to the praise of His glory, the work of the Spirit to the praise of His glory, and I've, I've used the illustration, I stole part of it, but um, of we are f- held firmly in the hands of Christ. We're held firmly in the hands of the Father. And then when you add the other New Testament teachings, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so we are securely held by um, the all three persons of the Trinity. So what ends up happening in, in many systems is um, we end up adding human works in there for some aspect of, of the package. And i that logically detracts from what God has done on our behalf. And so you have some systems that the basic message is uh, you have to do something in addition to believe in Christ, whether that's be baptized or uh, whatever it may be. You have some that say, well, you must do certain things or continue to walk in faith in order to secure your your salvation or you can lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. And you have others that say, well, you have to to do certain things as external evidence that you really believed in the first place. Right. And so in some capacity every one of those boils down to it's Christ plus something else in order to to be assured of our salvation in, or, in order to enjoy our security. And it's you know sometimes it's subtle. Those who would say, well, of course it makes sense that you should have good works as a believer. Uh, But if you're looking at those works, then what you're looking at for your security is what Christ has done, plus something you've done, instead of simply looking at the objective truth um, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the objective promises of God, and looking at Him wholly as the the source of our salvation and our security. So when you do that, that fundamentally changes everything. Yeah, it really does, because... um, you go from a very secure objective standard of what God has done on our behalf and what he's promised. And so Mm -hmm. if God says, I've given you eternal life, the promise is I have eternal life. If God says, I'll never leave you, then the promise is I'll never leave you. If we somehow work anything from human effort into there, then it becomes subjective. And so... um, the problem you get into is, okay, I have to produce certain amount of works to prove that I really believed in Jesus, or to keep my salvation, right. but what are those works, and how do I know I've done enough, and how do I know yeah. I've done them long enough? How and so much it, is enough? Yeah, and so it really muddles up the
0: system. Mm-hmm. So in your role as a pastor, you must come across people who say, well, I must not really be saved since I can't overcome a certain sin. Mm-hmm. So so how do you how do you answer that sort of a question? Mm-hmm. So someone someone's a believer, mm-hmm. they put their faith in mm-hmm. Christ. So tying back to what you're talking mm-hmm. about, they they know
1: they're they know they know they're a Christian, but then they start to doubt it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and that's one of the unfortunate consequences of some of the other systems, because they've, they've basically heard that. And mm. you know, there's some very well-known, prominent uh, writers and speakers and so on that, that say that in, in so many words. And so w- what I do is I never assume that they're a believer. You know, so the first thing I'll challenge them on is, hey, just tell me about how you came to faith in Christ. And I'll right. ask them questions like, you know, if you were to die today and appear before God, why would he let you into heaven? And, you know, so sometimes it really is a person thinks they're a Christian, but they never really understood the, the, the right message of faith alone in Christ alone. Uh, but assuming that uh, I've talked to them and I, it seems like they're confident in the right message and believing in Christ, then the the issue boils down to that that doesn't mean you're not a believer. It means you're struggling with a sin. And so we need to figure out how do we bring God's Word and God's Spirit to bear on addressing that sin, mm-hmm. and and you know, part of it is that uh, all of us have habitual sins, and I, I've said this uh, jokingly more than once. But you know, I have lost my salvation many, many times on these freeway on ramps <laughs> with people in front of me. Come on, speed up! And I always know that the attitude is wrong, and, and, right, right. and it's like, oh, there I go again. Uh, right. But. You know, if I if I get into the mindset that habitual sin means I'm not really saved, then how I deal with that is much different than I did it again. And so, part of dealing with that person is helping them understand uh, the nature of sin, helping them to know the nature of habits we all have them, and you know, just realizing um, what the Word of God says and uh, the power that the Spirit has. Uh, we often read the passage that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. And we'll read that, but what we think is if we walk in the Spirit, we might not carry out the deeds of the flesh. Now, mm. nobody would say that you know, overtly, but right. functionally, I think that's where we are sometimes. We don't really believe that the power of God is strong enough to overcome that habitual sin. And then walk with them through it because it it uh, takes much longer to unlearn a habit than to learn a habit in the first place. In most cases, I've seen God sometimes go. But yeah. Right. Those are those are the exceptions, not the rule.
0: Okay. So so with grace comes the other side too, right? There's mm-hmm. a there's a discussion where you know, well, if grace covers everything, um, I guess I can just go on living, right? I mean, I know mm-hmm. Paul addresses this, but it's an interesting sort of discussion point. Um, um, what do you say to someone who, who sort of espouses his position? Well, I mean, it's grace, so I can just do whatever I want.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, the very question Paul asked in a couple of different ways in Romans 6. Uh, you know, one of them is, well, if um, where sin abounds, grace abounds, then hey, I'm going to sin more because look at how God's grace is magnified. Right. Yeah. And that is, that's, uh, I'll call that grace abuse. Okay. It's true that God's grace will cover that, but, but it's the exact opposite uh, result that God wants and, and response and that uh, we should understand that sin is is ugly, it's nasty, it's contrary to the, the character of God. it's contrary to His righteousness. And why would we want to walk there mm-hmm. instead of using his excuse to continue to walk there when life is so much better following Him? And so the whole answer is, you're dead to sin. It doesn't have power over you anymore. Why would you want to do that? Uh, and so it's really a, a misunderstanding of of grace and and it comes from two groups of people. There are some within I'll call it within the grace camp who understand grace and and they've justified their actions. well,, well I can do what I want, and God you know, I'm saved anyway. You know that's the rebellious child, you know and uh, and there are some who are on the outside who accuse the free grace teaching of you know, teaching that as part of the message, which is not correct. that's not accurately taught. That's not what free grace teaches. So
0: if somebody's listening and they're sort of in that camp, what would you tell them about that stance?
1: Well, I would tell them that you know, if they're in that stance that, hey, I can live however I want, um, quite frankly, that's dangerous ground. Okay. Uh, because uh, we'll just think in terms of, of a healthy home, mom and dad, kiddos. Um, if I know that something that I'm doing as a child that mom and dad doesn't like, I know that I'm asking for trouble if I continue doing it. I especially know I'm asking for trouble if they tell me to stop and I continue doing it. Right. And so they're going to discipline me as loving parents. You know, and that discipline might be pretty severe. Could be grounded. You could lose you know, coffee privileges or something terrible. Right. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I tell them the same thing. You're walking in dangerous grounds. So on the one hand, you're putting yourself at risk. God is patient. But God's also a loving parent, and, and He will do what He needs to do to get your attention. And, uh, you know, that's not God's priority in, in how He wants us to live. Yes, He'll discipline us, but He wants us to walk obediently and in righteousness. So that's, that's the, the negative side, is you're asking for uh, difficulty. The other side is, um, why would you want to you know, eat uh, mud pies when you can have filet mignon instead? Right. And that recognizing that walking in sin, you're walking in darkness, and it has temporary pleasure, but it always has has hooks attached to it. Mm -hmm. More than just divine discipline, there's always downstream consequences. And on the other side, following God and living righteously is what honors Him, glorifies Him, is best for our life, does the the best... for interpersonal relationships, family, work, whatever, and so you know, why would you want to walk over there when life is so much better over here? Not to mention, it honors God because that's that's how He has designed us and wants us to walk in righteousness that imitates Him. Mm.
0: Well, those are those are great points. Um, if you're just uh, listening to the first uh, your first Saving Grace podcast and you're joining us and uh, you're wondering what all this is about, and you're we're in the midst of a discussion about grace, about the grace of God, uh, and what and what that means to us as a believer, and what it means to people that don't know the Lord. And uh, if you are listening to this as your first podcast, one of the things I want to really encourage you to do is I want you to go back and listen to. Every one of these podcasts. Uh, We have uh, a number of podcasts over a number of months. We put one out every single week. And uh, we started the series uh, of these podcasts, laying the foundation, sort of what you're talking about, Roger, today, mm-hmm. laying the foundation around uh, grace, what it means, what is the understanding, what are the basics, and uh, really want to encourage our listeners just to go back if they haven't, uh, and and listen to those because they lay a really a really strong foundation for people to build upon as and and sort of address things that we're talking about uh, at a very basic level. So um, tell me tell me this uh, in in the article that. You, you you wrote, um, you made you, you put this statement in, and then, and then you said that there's something wrong with it, and I'd love you to, to tell us what's wrong with this, because on the surface, it kind of sounds mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So you said, uh, love the Lord, mm-hmm. do good, mm-hmm. give generously, mm-hmm. live right,
1: mm-hmm.
0: serve God, mm-hmm. and the Lord will really love you and bless you. Mm-hmm.
1: Now... On the surface, that, that sounds yeah, wonderful. it does sound wonderful. So help me understand what's... Where it, did that go wrong? That it's statement? upside down. The last phrase should be first, and the, the idea is, the, the way it's, it's written, um, you do all these things in order to earn the love of God or to enter into the love of God instead of recognizing that God already loves us. He can't love us anymore. It's impossible because he loves us infinitely. He can't love us any less, because mm-hmm. he loves us unconditionally. And he loves us as his children. And so the, the position that we're in is we are God's beloved children. And so therefore, because he already loves us, do these things. Okay. Uh, and human level, you know, so many times we have to earn love. And, and uh, this is a silly example. My wife and I love watching Bering Sea Gold. And you know, you've got all these crazies up, and if they're watching this, I love the show. <laughs> but you got all these crazies up in, in the Bering Sea in, right. in Alaska, yeah. And there's this one guy who, at least on the screen, his, his dad's just not a good dad, but he is constantly trying to earn dad's favor, yeah. And it's just so sad because it, that's that's upside down of how it should be, right? And that's upside down of how it is with God, we don't have to earn his favor. Instead, we're should. we in a position that uh, uh, we can uh, live out life because we're loved. So instead of being in a position of trying to do something to earn it or to step into it, it comes from a position of security. We're already loved, live like this. So if people did that, wouldn't Mm -hmm. that just fundamentally change
0: the way they approach their life, their walk with the Lord, their daily job, everything they did?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it really should because... Uh, what happens uh, when you get it upside down, there's always that wonder, well, have I done enough? Or mm. you know, have I made God mad? Well, we, sure, we can make God mad, but as a loving father who already loves us, not as one who's going to withhold his love. Right. And um, when we realize, wait a minute, I'm secure in Christ. I'm secure in God's love. I'm, I have the freedom to live. And so when we, when we mess up, which we will, We don't have to cringe and wonder, oh, does, you know, have I done too much and, or, you know, if it's a really bad sin, which uh, Christians are fully capable of doing, I don't have to wonder, oh, have I gone too far? Right. It's, oh, God loves me. And yeah, that was, that was wrong, but man, I'm glad he loves me. And it gives greater motive for service because I realize I'm free. I don't, you know, it's. Uh, sense of, of security that, wait a minute, God loves me unconditionally, and so all my motivation in living comes out of that instead of trying to earn something uh, from him. So if a
0: believer embraces God's grace, mm-hmm. understands that their salvation is secure from the moment of belief, mm-hmm. based on the work, character, and promise of God alone, man, it just... That, that prob- Maybe that may revolutionize somebody's life today that's listening to this podcast. I hope they may it does. go, this is the first time I've really heard that. Yeah. Because what's the, what's the other
1: side of it? What what What's happened to a lot of people? The, they try to get their security and assurance out of subjective evaluation. They've bought the story of, well, I should examine my life. And so it right. can go everywhere from that unhealthy introspection, constantly looking at themselves, you know, to see where they are in life or that fear of um, you know, maybe I'm not a believer or maybe I'm outside of God's love. And, and, but it's very subjective because there's no way to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, is getting, this may sound heretical, uh, but frankly, if God has said, you must have good works and you must do good things in order to uh, keep my love or earn my love or prove your salvation or whatever, but then he never gave you a way of evaluating that, that's kind of an unfair position to be in. It's, you got to do good stuff in order to, to really know that you're mine, but I'm not going to tell you what that is. Right. And so we're, we'll end up, we end up in a subjective quandary. And that's really what that whole teaching of, if you have to have works as evidence of salvation, uh, that's the quandary you get into. Now, I do hold that, yes, it's normal for believers to do good works. That's God's expectation. But that's not the basis for de- determining our assurance. It flows out of. Our assurance that we have in Him. Talk to me a little bit about the, the the believer that is really is really focused
0: on trying to dot every i and cross every t. They 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 don't want to miss anything. They're they're almost nervous nellies, right? They're like, ooh, and they go through life. I think sometimes with a real frown on their face. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. What happens there? Yeah,
1: yeah there's the old uh, line that you you miss the the forest for the trees. Yeah, and so what ends up uh, happening in that that situation is there's always places we can improve, always things we can do better. Just the sheer number of, of commands and principles in Scripture, if you're trying to juggle them all, it becomes overwhelming. So what ends up happening is, uh, in some sense, you really paralyze yourself because uh, you're just so worried about doing things. All of us tend to get busy, you know. And and I don't know how many times God, oh, I forgot that. Well, you know, if it's a a letter that I'm supposed to send to somebody, that's oh, I'm sorry, and and that's not a big deal. But if if you're thinking that those are the kinds of things you have to do to keep in your relationship with God, that's obviously as a much more serious. Wait. And so what I think what happens is they miss the joy of following Christ because he I, I, I've used the illustration many times before he gives ditches walk between these ditches. this is what righteousness looks like this is what unrighteousness looks like. Live life right? And enjoy it it's not a here's how you live life. You see it in families, families that are very legalistic with their kids, they paralyze the kids, they're afraid to act because they don't mm-hmm. know how mom and dad are going to react and I think that's what ends up happening. We, we're afraid of what God might do.
0: and, and God wants absolute opposite yeah.
1: He wants us to live life
0: yeah. boldly, yep freely yeah under his under and through his grace right but, but to go out and do something. I mean, the fact that we're still here on planet Earth, mm-hmm. after the moment that we, we give our mm-hmm. lives and ask Christ to be a part of our life, give our mm-hmm. lives to Christ, we, we means there's something for us to do, mm-hmm. right? Yep. We, we need to plug into a local church. We need to plug into studying His Word. We need mm-hmm. to be in prayer. And then we need to follow what God asks us to do, mm-hmm. right? To say, hey, mm-hmm. I, I believe God wants me to go here mm-hmm. and, and visit with these people and tell these people about Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. And all of that should have a joy aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Example I can think of, there was a woman in our church some years ago who wanted to go on a mission trip, had never gone before, and she came into my office and goes, well, I just don't know if it's God's will for me to go. And I said, well, just keep pursuing it and yeah. you know, say, hey, if you don't want me to go, you shut the door and just go and enjoy it, see what happens. And and she went and loved it and has gone back many times. And, and if she listens to this, I'm sure she would not be at all upset with, me telling that story, but I think that's more how God wants us to go. So it's it's there's far f- fewer closed doors than there are open doors. It's hey, you want to try this? If you've if you're gifted in that area, chase it. If you're not sure, chase it and see what happens. Right. And and but there's so much more to to life that we can enjoy when you take that burden off of you know trying to to earn your relationship or prove your relationship or yeah. ensure that you, quote, really are saved, unquote, uh, if you believe in him for eternal life, you're saved and locked in and you're free to live. I can't imagine having to constantly look over my
0: shoulder all my life going, oh, I yeah. wonder if that's the moment I've lost it. Oh, was that the yeah. thing that I shouldn't have done? Instead yeah. of going, Lord, what do you have yeah. for me? Yeah. What, where do you want me engaged, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, you talked about a lady wanting to go on a missions trip. You know, One of the things that always amazes me when I go on a missions trip or I see others go, mm-hmm. they're all excited about what they're going to go and do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's great because there's something that they want to go do. Mm-hmm. You know what they all come back saying? I was blown away by what God taught me. Mm-hmm. The blessing that I received back, yep. the joy that they see in these people's lives. And sometimes in third world countries, they're like, they have nothing yeah. in comparison. But they have the joy of the Lord. So the question comes back, well, how do they have the joy of the Lord? Why do they have that joy in their lives? I think it's because
1: they have this figured out. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. In, in America, we've got way too many uh, interferences. I had a guy. Uh, I was in uh, Almaty, Kazakhstan some years ago. And uh, there was a pastor come in from Uzbekistan, which was you know, very anti-Christian and, and persecuted Christians and he said, it's too easy to be a Christian in America. I said, yep, mm. that's the problem. He goes, what do you mean? And said, well, you have to make a serious decision whether you're going to follow Christ or not. In America, we have way too many distractions and it's, it's easy. There's no, there's no real price to pay to follow Christ. And so it is too easy. So people kind of say, eh, whatever, functionally. And, and right. um, instead of Saying, what a great adventure, let's, you know, with these freedoms, let's see what God can do in us, through us, and for us.
0: Right. How can God use the talents that he's given me? Mm -hmm. Uh, How can he use the resources he's blessed me with? Mm -hmm. Understanding that everything I have Mm -hmm. is from him. Mm -hmm. Everything he has equipped me and my family my kids with is all from him. Mm -hmm. How do we use it? Yeah. How do we use it for his glory? So... Um, it, it really is, you know, this is this is a great conversation, and I, I want to continue this next week. So I hope you're you're going to be willing to come back and talk to us again, uh, because this subject is just one that is uh, near and dear to our hearts here at uh, Grace School of Theology. Um, as you know, uh, and have been a part of Grace for many years, mm-hmm. uh, you know that we are all about teaching others about this love that cannot be earned and cannot be lost. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'd and love to. So we're, we're going to have you come back. Uh, and uh, you have been listening to the Saving Grace podcast. And uh, we will, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Dr. Roger Fankhauser. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash saving grace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Great School of Theology
1: or its leadership.